For Tuesday, June 20th, 2023, coming in from the GoGo Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee, and that's here at the iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. If you're visiting Vancouver, if you need to stay out by the airport, might we suggest the Western Wall Center YVR get some rest, relaxation in those plush, heavenly beds. Matt Sikers alongside Blake Price, Grace Sass, hitting switches, conducting things, and today's Bodog poll question asking you, how do you want the Canucks to spend their newfound cap space on a third line center or a top four defenseman? You can vote at Secure Some Price on Twitter. Budog your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. I'm getting six points with the Lions in Winnipeg Thursday. And here's the thing you're going to bet the underdog on the money line. You always take a small portion of that wagering. Uh, sorry, if you're going to bet them on the point spread, take a small portion of the wager, put it on the money line. So if the upset comes through, because if you're betting an underdog, you should really only bet underdogs that you think have a chance to win the football game or the hockey game, whatever. Particularly football, though. Yes. Yeah. Leos are uh, two to one underdogs, plus 200 on the money line hmm. on your Bodog line of the day. Uh, this is January that you speak of, right? Yeah, they, and we weren't even supposed to have this January, but... Uh, Blake's a big weather guy. 12 degrees this morning? Like, kidding me? And I'm calling an early error and omission on Grady. Mm-hmm. He's in shorts. Yeah, well... What, was it warm in Port Moody this morning? Did 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 I miss the uh, hot spell, the heat dome in Port Moody? I have this a rule. If it's 10 degrees oh, or God. higher... There's a lot of... And I'm right shorts like guy. Yeah. What are you, a CFL equipment guy? There's a lot of Vancouverites that are like this. Uh, I was away uh, in House Sound, where it was particularly cold this weekend. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's several guys that were in shorts and flip-flops the entire time. And like, I had like a puffy jacket on, for the most part. I got a lot of whale blubber on this body, so that <laughs> keeps me warm. Is that right? Okay. I saw in a uh, poor family, you could tell they were here on vacation yesterday in the lower lobby of the North Tower here at the Wall Center. And they had the kids all dressed up in down jackets to go out for their day in Vancouver. <laughs> like everyone's wearing a winter jacket. Yeah. You come to Vancouver in June, middle of June, longest day of the year, right? The solstice and go, oh, it'll be warm. Mm, not a true Vancouver experience. Right That's there. true. Noon tomorrow, it all changes. Oh, good. Noon tomorrow, from there on in, we're sailing through some summer weather. I'm answering defensemen on the poll for two reasons. Number one, a top four defenseman will play more than a third line center, probably affect your team more, particularly on the penalty kill side of things, which needs to be improved. Improved, And because they have so few defensemen under contract, or at least NHL defensemen under contract. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I'm going to go defenseman. Um, I mean, they're both needs, but we know what wins championships. We know, not that they're thinking necessarily in those terms, but the same thing holds for making the playoffs and having success in the playoffs. So I think they're going to build from the back out, and I think they've got enough options up front that uh, scoring's not going to be an issue. Um, they can play matchups with Elias Pettersson at times and with JT Miller at times. Uh, I'm going to say the, the, the bulk of the money goes towards defensemen. 
Yesterday's poll question we asked you, now that the Canucks have cap space following the Oliver Ekman-Larsen buyout, are they a playoff team? 2,254 votes, yes or no, what won the poll? Uh, They said no. They did. What percentage? 63. 82. 82! I was astonished by this, much like I'm surprised for the early voting on today's poll, and we'll get into that tomorrow. Wow, that's... I think there was a conception out there, and actually uh, hockey blogger Jeff Fayette mentioned it in replying to my quote tweet of the poll, that this sort of gives them some flexibility and ability to, you know, set things up for down the road. I think there might have been a misconception at least I think it's a misconception, unless they've changed course here, but I don't think so, that they were doing this as part of a sort of mini-rebuild or mini-retool. I think there were some fans out there that looked at it and went, oh, now they've lost one of their top four defensemen. I guess it's going to be even more difficult to make the playoffs next season. I viewed it entirely the opposite way. That he was a replacement level player. Yeah. And now you got seven million dollars to go shopping and affect the club. No, I don't think I I, I think your theory is wrong. I think what people the, the I think the reason it gets to eighty percent is people just think they're that far away still. Mm-hmm. And in a tough division still. There's some of that. Steve says cap space is important, but the team is the same as the team that finished twenty fourth this season. It's not there really still has though. to be changes it, for this team to win. It, it's not really. I, 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 you know, Pete. The only thing they've done so far this offseason is subtract a player. So voting no. Phil Peronik did not really play for the Vancouver Canucks. Handful of games. Mm-hmm. You haven't seen this team with Phil Peronik in for the long term. And Ilya Mikheyev, um was a reduced capacity player and still did okay bottom line wise whilst being injured. Um, you know, those are two players that will add something to this team. Mm-hmm. Huggy Bear comes down to the middle pairing. If management is successful in completing our defense, then it's a resounding yes. Uh, good comment. I do think it's going to come down to the middle pair in some regard. I think one thing, too, is other than the bubble, the end of last year was really the only time we've seen Demko, Pedersen, Hughes, Miller all at the top of their game. Now, there's no guarantees that they can continue this going mm-hmm. into next season, but we actually finally saw it. And listen, the, the soft schedule at the end of the year definitely played mm-hmm. into that. Smigowski, I agree with the decision to buy out OEL, but who's going to play defense for them now? With Bear out, they have only three proven full-time NHLD on their roster. Do you think there's no chance now that they trade Tyler Myers? No chance? No, I still think there's a chance, but I... I, They'll have to be that much more busy. Well, I think they've realized what everyone else knows, and that is with the bonus payment due, due in September... You're not going to have a robust market for him because a lot of teams are in training camp, like what they see, are approaching tough decisions at the end of preseason in terms of setting their opening night lineup, in some cases putting players they want to keep on waivers. And so I think they've looked at it and said, hmm, if there is a Tyler Myers deal to be had, I think it's going to have to be in season, maybe November or so, once the attrition starts hitting clubs that have playoff aspirations and need defense reinforcements. So I, I mean, I've, we've used this phrase before. 
I think they're kicking the Tyler Myers can down the road. And if they're a postseason club by next year at the deadline, I would suspect that they keep Tyler Myers. If things aren't going as well, or if they get an offer they can't refuse, I would suspect they trade Tyler Myers in season. Yeah. I, I would love them. Which is a very awkward time to be acquiring a $6 million player in September. Unless you, unless you like, I, I saw a few trades recently that had future considerations. What, what are the parameters that the CBA allows for future considerations? I think like many things NHL, just clear it through Gary and make it up as you go along. Because couldn't this be a future considerations move? You, you acquire X for future considerations, knowing that that's going to be Tyler so, Myers on September the 16th. Oh, okay. So Myers as the future considerations. Yeah. Oh. But you just can't announce it right now because um, you got to keep yeah, on the payroll. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. It'd be an awfully big name to be a future considerations. It's usually yeah. a much smaller but piece. The, but it would be future considerations for a darn good reason. Yeah. I mean, it's normally pennies or nickels. Yeah. This would be a, a quarter. Yeah. Tooney. A loony. I would love to know the time. Boy. The Big timeline boy. of that. Like you must complete that in ninety days per se. Uh, again, I think so long as you clear it by Gary, you can kind of make it up as you go along. <laughs> this is not a league of precision, Grady. We'll take a seventh round draft pick. Thank you. Let's see that that would be a penny. An interesting tweet from Patterson yesterday. In what order do you think Breezeball, Rathbone, Willannon, and Hiroshi rank on the Canucks' internal left-side defense depth chart? Of those four, who's most likely to play the most NHL games next year? So I went and looked out their even-strength time on ice per game, which I think is a pretty good barometer of who coach trusts, right? Who are you playing in the even-strength moments? And... Well, Lannon, Hiroshi, Breezebaugh, and Rathbone, but super close. Well, Lannon playing 1438, Hiroshi 1435, Breezebaugh 1426, and then a drop down to mm-hmm. Rathbone. When you include the special teams in that, Hiroshi plays the most, and by a significant margin, 17 minutes and 28 seconds. Now, granted, just in seven games. Well, Lannon at 1545 in 16 games. Rathbone 14-14 in 11 games. And then Breezeball. Oh, sorry. Breezeball at 16-32. He's actually second because he plays. Um, he actually played a fair bit of power play in his 17 games last year. I think based on Rick Tockett that I would rank them Willannon, Hiroshi, Breezeball, Rathbone going in. Although Hiroshi may have impressed him more than Willannon. I think he realizes Hiroshi could be a future piece, whereas Willannon... I mean, it's possible that Willannon is the latest of late bloomers, like a Brian Rafalski guy without the having to go over to Europe. But I would suspect that it's Willannon or Hiroshi as your leader in the clubhouse in terms of that left-side defense depth chart. And really, Blake, as it stands right now, and we suspect this might change. That would be the to be the number two left side defense after Quinn Hughes. I mean, unless you think Travis Dermott is recovering from the concussion and being 
re-signed here. No, he's I don't an RFA he as well. I don't think he is. So, no, I think they, they think that's where they're going shopping right now. Uh, ideally, you know, they. Do you think they prioritize right now, left or right side at this point? I, I don't think. I don't, uh, I think honestly, I think the bigger need right now is left. I think they're just unpicky. I think whatever reveals itself as a guy that's yep. good and available, I don't think uh, they care which side. And he is. hey, hopefully he can play both sides, which is what Travis Dermott was billed as, right? Yeah. A left yeah. guy, a left shot that can play the right side. How would you rank him? It was a very nice seven games for Akito Hiroshi, but it was at the end of the season we've t- talked long and hard that many, many years that don't put the stock in those games that you put in games earlier in the season with both teams are in a postseason race. Well, I think you, you can try him, certainly, but then you've got the Willannon safety. And I think you know what Willannon is at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to be a top four defenseman in this league, but I think he's service, certainly serviceable on any given night. Uh, can he spot duty top four? Perhaps. I don't think you want to lean on it. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I think about a guy like um, Chris Tanev, who played a nice 29 games for the Vancouver Canucks in 2010-2011. We saw what Chris Tanev was in those, in those games. He still ended up the next year playing 34 games in the AHL. Yeah. You know, and even the 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 well, the year after that it was a lockout, so I won't count those ones. But eleven, twelve, he played thirty four mm-hmm. games in yep. the AHL. They didn't. The yep. Canucks didn't say, okay, there's a the guy that we can lean on now for next year. So, I mean, Akita Rossi shows a lot, but can you lean on him for sixty yeah. to seventy games? That seems like a lot. I would suspect you're going to see. I was going to say all four of those guys, but I do wonder whether Rathbone figures in their plans long term now. You're thinking you're leaning towards a yes, maybe. No, I'm no? leaning towards maybe Jack Rathbone is involved in a trade this summer. I mean, certainly it's possible. I just don't know that there's I, much I value. I think they were upset with the opportunity or lack thereof he was afforded last year. No, I, I agree. There isn't a lot of value. So I, I'm almost, I've almost come full circle. Like I love the kid. Then I was resigned that he was gone. Now I wonder if they just be like, let's just trot him out there, see what happens mm-hmm. this year. Um, again, that's unless something falls in their lap. We'll see. Mm-hmm. He, um, if anything, he's is he the most experienced NHL player in that group? Has he played the most NHL games Oof. of that group? You think? Uh, well, Lannan's sorry. Well, Lannan's played yeah. eighty six now in his career, so he's played more. Yeah. Uh, Rick Dollywall. Reporting the Canucks have interest in Milan Lucic. We've heard that before, and Lucic may be given an opportunity to talk teams early here via Calgary, who's not bringing him back. And then defenseman Carson Soucy, speaking of defensemen. And it's funny, I can remember talking about him, Blake, when we were uh, talking bubble playoff in that series against the Minnesota Wild. If you'll remember from a few years back, he's now with Seattle. Daily face-offs free agency prediction board shoots him out as a three-year deal at 2.5 million. I suspect it will probably be a little more than that because it's such a weak free agent class that I think you'll see a little built-in inflation there as clubs go and scurry for the breadcrumbs that are remaining. Um, But is that a name and is that a player and is that a price range and term range that you'd be comfortable with? Mm, 
It, it doesn't jump out at me, to be it's quite 28 honest. 28-year-old left-side defenseman. It was uh, 16 points in 78 games. He's more of a defender. Yeah. Um, I Honestly, nobody sort of uh, makes me uh, <laughs> super excited um, right now that's that's available on the market, to be so quite honest. So he has size, too, 6'5", yeah. 210. So it's the one thing that... I think you're going to see Rick Tockett want to prioritize going forward here as bigger bodies. Decent numbers playing behind Dunn and Alexiak, kind of bottom pairing-ish. Had role. 10 goals for the Kraken yeah. in their expansion year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. These middling players can somehow surprise you with those kinds of seasons and then mm-hmm. come right back down to earth and be the seventh defenseman that they mm-hmm. had shown originally. And the, those I are the more type of guys. Seven. I, I, you yeah. know, I, I think he's a firm third pair guy you don't want to overpay for those that's guys. the thing no, you, no, don't you don't want to overpay. no you don't no you don't and in free agency uh you start to pay third pairing guys like their second pairing guys and well but in trouble. three years at 2.5 it's it's not no i mean that's that's for a number five that's a yep that's a number that's five for that's a number five yeah yep. um just, and that spits him out at age 31 i wouldn't have a big trouble i wouldn't have a big problem with that actually spits him out at age 32 it'll be He'll be twenty nine this uh, summer. I mean, if you're if you're trading Myers, it'd be nice to get another strapping lad in. Well, there. that's the other thing. Yeah. Is, uh, two things that occurred to me: number one, if you trade Myers, you do sort of need some size on defense. Number two, if you do happen to get a right shot defenseman, either via trade or on the free agent market, and let's face it, that's probably more going to be trade, given the scarcity of right shot defensemen on the free agent market. That does give you some options. Gives you some options with Bear. Gives you some options with Myers. But first you have to go out and get that guy. Moving on to the BC Lions. As mentioned, they're in Winnipeg Thursday for week three against the Bombers, the three-time defending West champion Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And as mentioned, they're a six-point underdog. The CFL had trouble with their new stat rollout in week one. We chronicled that last week. But they've partnered with Pro Football Focus, the data and content house that's owned by NBC's Chris Collinsworth. And the folks at PFF have determined, they're going to be involved here in weekly honors and accolades, the PFF folks have determined that Sean White was the CFL's best kicker in league in week two, and that guard Suk Chung graded out as the top offensive lineman in the league in week two. So both those guys taking bows today as the team practices before heading off to Winnipeg tomorrow for the game Thursday. And good news because I heard Moj and Julio raving about the offensive line after the first week. They were the only team not to give up a sack in week one. You know, you look at them on paper and go, okay, there's still some guys that need to prove some things there. Suk's good when he's healthy. Is more of a sort of traditional road grading run block guard. But so far, they've done a pretty good job up front protecting Vernon and Adams and, of course, clearing holes for uh, Smoke Mizell in the running game. So I like that we have a little uh, and mini. And two local mini- guys here, too, born and bred uh, Lower Mainlanders. I like that we have a mini Grey Cup here early in the uh, season, too, because you're still fascinated. You had a season opener. You had a home opener. You can sort of have dog dog days of, of the season early um, before you get to sort of um, the middle part of the year in the summer games. Um 
But now that we've got a game to concentrate on between the two favorites, yeah, well, it's nice to keep our attention this way. And do you remember last year they had those terrible buys early in the week, or early in the season? Yeah. It was a ridiculous schedule for the Leos last year. Remember three buys, the third one on Labor Day? And they also had some blowout so, wins, like well, 44-3. So there was no sort of momentum to the marketing because you went out and you won the big game at home, and then... Yeah, you had to sit on it. And then you sit on it. Yeah. And then you went out, and you, Nathan Rourke was doing great things, and then along came another buy. Yeah, it was bad. Not the case. Are you worried about the Bombers getting an extra day of rest? Yes. In the Lions here, short, short well, week Well, it's Thursday. funny. Somebody mentioned to me, take a look at how many Thursday home games the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have this year. Now, it could very well be for the sake of attendance. There are some markets around the league, Ottawa's one of them, where they prefer the Thursday night home game to the Friday night home game because on Friday people take off to their cabins, cottages, whatever you want to call them. Somebody suggested to me that in Winnipeg's case, it might be a little more devious, and knowing Mike O'Shea, I could completely see this, that they're hoping to catch as many teams on shorter weeks compared to them as possible. That they feel that they have better depth, and with not having Mm. to travel, that playing the Thursday night home game is a big advantage over opponents who have one less day to prep and have to deal with the travel to win. Well, it all depends on who's played the week and where they've played the week before, though. Of course. But again, my friend told me, take a look at that. Mm. I think you'll find that Winnipeg has often got more rest for these Thursday home games. Well, also, where, when do they play the week after those Thursday home games? If it's Thursday to Saturday on a lot of those cases, too, then they're getting nine days. Perhaps they've hacked the schedule yes. here in Gillis Gilman fashion. Huh? You go to the league <laughs> office and you just berate the schedule maker until you get your preferences. Whitecaps back at it tomorrow after their bye week. They're in Denver to face the Rapids. Let's hope it doesn't snow down there. What can you tell us about the lineup? Do you know anything about the lineup for tomorrow? I do not have uh, any such uh, intel, only to think that they are going to be pretty fresh. Um, And I think that uh, after a very busy stretch and then this rest, um, you'll now see Vanny Sartini start to stress, okay, it's time to win some road matches. It's time to start racking up some points on the road. Um, and because they've been idle, a couple of teams around them have played some matches. They've fallen to eighth just because they've been idle. Now they've got games a yep. game in hand um, as a result of all that. But now they got to win against that game some in hand. teams, not yeah. against everybody. Yep. So you, you got to win that game in hand. And if they do, they go right back to um, the sixth place mm-hmm. spot that they had before the break. But they've, you know, I I don't even know that a result. Uh, a draw on the road is going to be acceptable at this point. They have got to win. And this is a Colorado team at the bottom of the Western Conference. Yes. You'll not get a better opportunity to, to break open the win column on the road than this one. They've got to go in and get that win. Unbeaten in three MLS games, four total, and just the one defeat in their last uh just the one defeat in their last eight matches. To St. Louis, in St. Louis. Yeah. So they've been pretty good. Uh, are you calling that game tomorrow? Uh, radio side. And it's a 6.30 start? A 6.30 start, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's get to today's golf report brought to you by the Arnold Palmer Design Whistler Golf Club, where May wrapped up another successful month. 
of corporate events, buddy trips. If you've got a group of 12 or more, you, the group organizer, plays for free. Contact the club. They'll execute a, an amazing golf outing for your team, your buddies, your clients. Tell us about your group, whistlergolf.com forward slash groups. And, of course, we've got our contests going on up at Instagram where you can win a round for four, two carts. It's an $800 value this season at the Whistler Golf Club. Looking forward to sending somebody up there for an amazing golf experience. So be following Sakarison Price and the Whistler Golf Club on Instagram and go to our page for contest details. Tom Watson, elder statesman of the PGA Tour, and uh, he's none too pleased with Commissioner Monaghan and the tour, has written a letter and has pointed out hypocrisy in a couple points in that letter, we as, we as many are. We haven't heard from a lot of the Hall of Famers on on uh, on this until this point. And, uh, well, we heard from Jack. And, yeah. Yeah. But now we're getting some of the other royalty weighing in. And, uh, I mean, what, what is it? How motivated do you have to be to break out the letter? Like, Jack's, Jack, you know, had the inquiries. And, of course... This is a generation of letter writers. Yes, it is. Yes. Thank you cards and letters written. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and, hey, he's just articulating a lot of the same concerns that everybody else seems to have, mm-hmm. and, and including he even aligns himself with the families of 9-11 um, and goes down that road as well. So, um, Tom, if you're against the alliance, uh, Tom Watson is with you. Well, he asked the question that we were kicking around last week, Blake, and that is... Really, Jay Monahan? The Saudis were the only source of capital and financing yeah. and partner to make this happen? You're talking about a sport that is one of the wealthiest out there, attracts the most elitist players and aficionados. And advertises to the people with the most amount of money. Absolutely. Like, there's not a lot of people that are 22 sitting on their couch watching the U.S. Open. No. It's all the people with full-time jobs making six figures watching. Which is why you see the luxury brand cars and the Rolexes and yeah. everything else that yeah. advertises on the back of golf. But he points... Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, and, and yet this is still anything but done with, uh, you know, the courts involved, Congress involved. It's not done yet. No, and the uh, senator there in Connecticut, Richard Blumenthal, has talked about, uh, uh, they're looking into it. There's going to be a subcommittee. Expects a hearing within weeks, he says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other interesting thing here, Blake, is because of the Saudi involvement in the 9-11 families, there's been a very unique alliance formed here in American politics which is as divided as perhaps it has ever been. But you have that sort of hawkish Dick Cheney wing of the Republican Party, the interventionist, right? Like yep. You've got to go in and get Saddam and all that, whether he had mass destruct- uh, weapons of mass destructions or not. Turns out he didn't. And the woke left, who are both looking at it and saying, you're doing a deal with the devil. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Those two sort of groups are both looking at the source of the capital here and saying this is blood money or dirty money. It's these weird golf bros that came out of nowhere, sort of. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what brush to paint them with, but 
the live fan is an interesting, unique fan. Um, and I don't know where they. Well, the live only fan is yes, an interesting. The and live only fan. fan. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of golf fans who are like, well, DeChambeau, Johnson, they're Cameron Smith. There's some guys over there that I want to watch play. Yeah. And frankly, I do too. But the ones that have. But but I, we all want to watch them play. But I don't want to watch them play on the live tour. I've, I haven't I haven't cast a single second's worth of attention to the now when they're on the U.S. Open. Yeah, I I like following them. I like watching what Brooks Kepka can do, Dustin Johnson, Cam Smith. <laughs> but I'm not going to the CW or streaming them online to watch the coverage. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other. I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, they've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Let's get to today's menu brought to you by Didach Didach. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing, Neighborhood Brewing, Workshop Spirits, and Yellow Dog has been brewing up a little surprise. Angry Otter Lager. It's a crisp, clean, and crushable lager enjoyed by dogs and otters alike. You can find this tasty brew at all Angry Otter locations. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog Neighborhood or Workshop Spirit. BC's best breakfast when you think breakfast in British Columbia. You think the Dutch will get to... Uh, Cam Robinson and Patrick Johnson are guests today. PJ on the OEL buyout, on whether they're a playoff team, on where they're going to spend their money, and reminiscing about 40 years of BC Place. The stadium hits a milestone here. And then Patrick, uh, and then Cam Robinson, of course, the director of film scouting from Elite Prospects, our draft insider. He'll be in Nashville next week on behalf of uh, Elite Prospects. And us here at Go Goat Sports. And we go through some more draft capsules, draft capsules of players who could be available to the Vancouver Canucks, including Senator Oliver Moore, who seems to be slipping in some of the uh, mocks and rankings. A couple local guys, Lucas Drag- Dragasevich, Andrew Crystal, uh, and a couple of big centermen as well, Dvorsky and Jagger. So you're going to want to hear Cam on that. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. It's their team now. Jim Rutherford, Patrick Alvin et al., They've been running the Canucks for a year and a half, and they entered this offseason with $7 million of newfound cap space thanks to the Oliver Ekman-Larsen buyout. They've made the decisions to extend JT Miller, to trade for Philip Ronick, and assign Ilya Mikheyev. They won the Andre Kuzmenko sweepstakes, adding a top-six winger at the NHL minimum, then re-signed him to big money for these upcoming two years. And they've constructed two-thirds of a fourth line. At least we hope it's their fourth line with hand-picked free agents Neil Zaman and Dakota Joshua. So as much as we hear about the Jim Benning era and how his ghost will linger to 2031 when they're done paying OEL, it's now time to shift the responsibility to the new managers. 
How they spend their cap space this summer will help define their legacy with the Canucks, much like the Miller extension, the Bo Horvat trade, and the Ronick acquisition. Next week, they'll make their second first-round draft pick, then proceed to free agency, where I suspect another defenseman or a third-line center, maybe even both, are coming. Perhaps it will be via trade, but these are important positions on any club, and their choices will further put their stamp on this hockey club. The excuses are over, and so is the blame game. It's time for Rutherford, Alvin, and company to own their agency and be judged accordingly. That's welcome out for today. We invite your feedback. Feedback channels as follows on email live at securesomeprice.com. You can text 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. On Twitter, I'm at Secures, at Price. And a welcome at a presentation of Northlands Golf Course, Metro Vancouver's premier public golf course. You can book your tee times 90 days in advance. Join the loyalty program. Price your next round could be free. Played it on Friday. It's on. It's in amazing condition. Get all the details at golfnorthlands.com. Here's Price from Wall Center in today's Bulldog poll question. How do you want the Canucks to spend their newfound cap space? Third line center, top four defense, right in with other. Do so at Sakarison Price on Twitter. Bulldog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Bulldog, line of the day for me. Taylor Hendricks, the wing at Central Florida, reminds me a little like Scotty Barnes, and I think he's going to go higher in this draft, much like Scotty Barnes. He's 6-1. to one to go fourth overall, plus 180 to go fifth overall on your Bodog line of the day. And be a draft on Thursday, and then the NHL gets going next week. Here he is, our Tuesday regular from the province and post media, Mr. Patrick Johnston. How you doing? Uh, not bought out. Still working. Yeah, Feeling good. 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 Yeah. It's true. Buyouts on uh, media and NHL fronts last Are week. all the rage, yes. Yeah. Whoa. Let's not talk about that. Yeah. Okay. Sorry to get this. <laughs> sorry to get this started on a... <laughs> somber note only uh, up from here matthew what did you make of the buyout do you agree with the decision well i i i um i was in the sort of could but didn't think it would happen camp um i get it and uh I, they needed to do something i thought they were going to try to go for a trade but uh this certainly throws that i mean i'm sure a trade could still happen uh but in terms of Ripping the Band-Aid off and just going, all right, we're going to go for it. Um, this is definitely that. And uh, it gives them certainly space to work with going into a season where they believe they need to, they will be a playoff team. And you have to think even more than that. They want to think that they're even more than that. Um, and certainly in a position where they need to create something that is going to convince their star center that, that this is a team to stay with. Um, the, you know, winning is number one, even if that means, you know, they're going to have to manage another eight years of dead cap, um, running essentially, I mean, you, what was it from, depending on how you want to count Louis Erickson, but you know, kind of go Louis Erickson <laughs> beginning in 2016 through to 2031. Um, it's a good 15 have, year career here. Yeah. There's your trade tree. Uh, on that, or, you know, I mean, I think it was, a, you can count, you know, the Canucks, I mean, the Canucks will have dead cap money 
based on the the compliance by or the 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 uh, cap recapture, you know, blah 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 for thirteen. I mean, it's just it's astounding where this team this team ten years ago was sort of you know fifteen years ago was a one of the one of the cap leading cap management teams. You know, the old old good old Lawrence Gilman leading the way, finding loopholes. Like loopholes, that, the league, teach, the league year yeah. later would say, "No, you can't do that." Or, or everyone. I mean, the LTIR move that everyone complains about with, or not everyone, but people complain about that the Canucks invented that. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Sammy Sello's uh, injured. Sammy oh, Sello, Eller's okay now. Eller's magically okay. healthy yeah. the day yeah. that yeah. Alex Eller yeah. left the lineup. We don't have to trade Kevin Bieksa now. You yeah. know, blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, it's a, it's astounding to think where how times have changed and now they're now they are the experts at managing dead cap money or mm-hmm. something. Well, yeah. and Patrick, I'll do you one better. I suspect the trade tree, if you will, and of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was Louis. It was a free agent trade which turned into a trade tree. But if they trade Connor Garland in three years for say like a mid round oh. draft pick. Yeah, and yeah, the yeah. kid takes four or five years to make the NHL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like this trade tree could last beyond even well, twenty it's Neely, thirty. It'll be Neely esque. The Neely trade is still alive, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. All right. So you tell me. Answer the Bodark poll question today. Where should they spend their newfound cap space on a top four defenseman or a third line center? Well, I, I, I mean, <laughs> third line center has been a topic for so long. Um, Maybe yeah, bring back Brandon Sutter. No, um, I think it's I think it's that. I, I you know they had the horses last year. I don't even know anymore. No, I keep saying center. You know what? I've just thought about it for another minute. Defense, and as has been pointed out, you know OEL was the second leading scoring defenseman last year. He actually did bring some offense to the table, even in his hobbled state last year. He brought some offense to the table, but it was pretty meager. And the fact that obviously Luke Shen was the third leading scorer last year on defense. well, Ronick uh, Philip Ronick will, will yeah will, will sure. be him in theory yeah yeah but they need something else they need yeah. at least another guy so I'm going to go defense. Um, do you do you think that they all of a sudden are just a normal team in the NHL at least for this year like a, a team able to make some moves and strive for the playoffs like does it feel like they've got a little bit of a new lease on life this season? Yeah, I mean, I wrote that on I think on Friday when I when I was sorting out the the OEL news through my head. I mean, here they were, the only team essentially that was over the cap already for next season, and now I mean they're still like I think seventh highest cap hit. Yeah, at the they're moment. not rich with space, but, but yeah, but yeah, they're just kind of another team now. Yeah, you know they 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 have once now it's again their own scenario like this management team has it's now their scenario how they manage how they manage this space is how they will be judged they made the hard choice they did something that I don't think they I don't imagine they really wanted to do but obviously felt they had no alternative. Um, do you think he plays in the league this year? Oh yeah, I, I've been wondering about that. I mean. He, he I think he does. Yeah, I think right. he does because simply for the fact that he can, he can in theory write his own ticket. He can take whatever he wants, right? Because he's still getting paid. Yeah. Right. So you know, okay, sure. He maybe wants to make himself whole so that he makes up that that. I'm guessing he gets two and a half from somebody. Sure. Right. Yeah. And then yeah, he gets two and a half from somebody, and yeah, 
he goes and plays in Boston. I don't know. You know, like I, mean, I didn't think Eric Branson had a chance at playing in the NHL again after the Canucks. Exactly. And exactly. then here we go. He gets another full contract for God's sake. So yeah, yeah exactly. you know, we'll see. I, I don't know that I've got the same faith that OEL can rejuvenate his career. Although I had zero faith that Good Branson could too. So uh, again, well, I, you, you just never know. Do you really think Good Branson's rejuvenated his career? Well, he got the extra contract. Is yeah, uh, yeah, but I'm just yeah. saying playing wise. But I'm no. saying playing. You know, I mean, there, I, I think there is. I someone once told me that that one of the things to understand about Eric Good Branson is that players talk about going into the corner or front of the net with him in ways they don't talk about most other defensemen. Now, I, I know that I know that sounds weird, and and the rest of Good Branson's game is obviously a disaster. But but certainly reputationally, players still think, oh, here's here's one of the few guys that will yeah, have his anyway. elbow up, sort of thing. And, yeah, yeah. But but you know, OEL. Okay, here's the thing we know about OEL. He can he can still kind of move. You know, contribute offensively. Um, you know, I, that, that was that is a truth of the Canucks. They have to replace his offense. As weird as that sounds, um, <laughs> he can still do that. He, here's clearly a player who believes. He can come back stronger than he was last year. He knows how bad he was this year, and he says, "Here's why: it's my foot. My foot's fine now, but he's also coming off an ankle injury, and he's, you know, in his 30, 31, mm-hmm. thirty-one. I can't even remember now. Thirty-two. So, yeah. here's the big question: with this newfound cap space, can they fashion a playoff team? It's reasonably weak free agent crop. There are some very interesting names on the trade market. Yeah. Do you think? And, of course, they're in a nightmare division with the defending well, Stanley Cup champions, the two best players in the world in Alberta. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, a resurgent Flames team, you'd have to think. Uh, a Kings team that has pay- yeah. maybe the flushest prospect pipeline in the business, and Seattle made the final eight last year. You guys you just think? took all my points away from me. But other than the that, division, do, they, do they have the, a the chance? Division, <laughs> the division, to me, the division's the story. You know, no matter yeah. what they do here um, – is the classical, yeah, you can expect your players to improve. I mean, I think Elias Pedersen is exactly at his peak. You know, this is what he is. Uh, Quinn Hughes is just about there. Thatcher Demko, they believe, will be the Thatcher Demko he has mostly been and not the Thatcher Demko he was at the beginning of last season. Like, those are good things. Those help you get to where you need to be. Um, But this division remains, like, really tough. Tougher than I think people... We're expecting, or, or maybe gave it credit to be, uh, going into last season. But yeah, no, that's exactly it. You have the Stanley Cup champions. You have the Edmonton Oilers. Like, let's the Oilers aren't perfect, but the Oilers had 109 points. No, it's a good like, team. It's a good. Don't team. sleep yeah, on yeah, them, yeah, right? Yeah. Like they they have they are going to be in the same battle, trying to improve their team, trying to find better options on defense, um, trying to find forwards who do things when their best forwards are not on the ice. Um, you know, LA is just that team, ascendant team. Um, sure, they could hit a bump and all of a sudden slip away and not be. Well, one of these teams will, right? Like but, one of these, yeah, like we're expecting yeah. good things from all these teams. One of them is not no, going to exactly. be able to do something. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Is Calgary going to be a ninety-three point team again, or is they going to be better than that? Right? Like, like, like. There's a, there's a lot of things, but there's certainly you know five teams of which you would expect four will definitely be in the playoff hunt and the Canucks have to beat out one of you know two of those five teams essentially. So they were 83 point team. Like that's the thing you cannot get your cannot ignore mm-hmm. that even you know no matter what you want to spend, they were they were five sorry, they were 
17 points off the fourth spot in this division, right? Like, that's like eight, nine wins. And even if you say their first half, you spin, sort of say, okay, there were a, hand, a handful of wins. Five wins still doesn't get them in the playoffs. Like, that's that's the reality. They can't just be five wins better. They have to be almost 10 and wins that's with a good. Yeah. that's with a good final quarter as well. So, exactly. Right. Yeah. That's a right. very good final um, quarter. That, right? that's I mean, they point, were right? one like, of the better teams in the league in February, like, March, yeah, yeah, and yeah, April. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. And and are they a team that's good enough to be one of the league's better teams the whole season? I don't think so, mm. right? And that mm. means you're going to have a slow patch. Like, you're not going to have as bad a start as they did at the beginning of the season necessarily, and you're not going to have as bad a start as the year before. But even if you get yourself up to kind of average, so you get five more wins, right? But that's my point, is that you just get into 93 points. I mean, 90 95 is usually is usually the the limit here, right? And Winnipeg got in with 95 points. So if you can say, okay, that's still 12 more. That's six more wins, right? I, I Are you pulling thinking, six wins out of yeah. that first half this year, right now? Like I keep thinking, Ilya Mikheyev gets like dropped in like a kind of like a brand new free agent. Uh, he, he almost played 50 games. Like he yeah. like he played played past the midway point of the season. Yeah. But he's going to be a better player. We think he's going to be a faster player. We think. Um, I think Mikheyev helps this team kind of in sure. the same way that Ronick does. That we, we we don't didn't really factor those two players in for much of the sure. final third of the season and they're going to sure. be there yeah yeah sure but you know in the end it comes back to i like i i there's a lot of interesting bits and pieces and it's going to be interesting mean, it's not once again not going to be a boring team you know i mean I, i've talked about them before i'm actually very interested mm-hmm. i think max Sasson is going to be an interesting factor as a depth depth center like i think he's got more offensive talent than niels oman um, already, I mean, they, you know, Oman had a better second half, but it's still, it's not a. There's no sort of offensive quality there, and that's the kind of. Those are the kind of incremental gains you need to make. Maybe Sesson isn't the guy. I don't know, but that's that's one of those ones that I'm looking at. Can they find something like that? What are they going to do with the bear situation? I mean, we talked a bit about this last week, but like, you know, you, you're going to have to find. I mean, I think now you you're looking for a guy that is at least as good as Ethan Bear. You're not just sort of looking for a 7-8 guy that can pitch hit for two months, you know? Do they get it, Bear at like one and a half now? Can they, can they lowball him to that degree? I don't know. I don't know. Like, like that seems, seems kind I mean, of mean, the fact, but it's the, also yeah. business. The fact he wants to be here certainly plays the Canucks' way, that essentially this is a team he chose. Yeah. Um, you know, has been very vocal about his desire to be here. Uh We'll see. I, I, I still. Yeah. I mean, I, I still think they like him too much that they will qualify him. It seems crazy to think that they wouldn't. They try to do. I mean, it's been. It's happened before. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think he's like that's the Pouliot route. You know, like mm-hmm. I think he's better than Derek Pouliot was at the same time. So yeah. Um, hey, as for Sasson, um, like they're. The way they're structured right now, I, I would look at it and say, hey, there's opportunity for guys like Sasan, yeah. Ratu, uh, Hoaglander, maybe yeah. McDonough. Um, but I would suspect that they're probably going to use this cap space to get a third-line center, which knocks Amon down to fourth. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe even get another NHL forward in there to go along with your defenseman. Um, we shall see. You know, I thought Jeff made a good point yesterday where he said, do they already have something lined up? Elliot Friedman saying he doesn't believe they have anything lined up, but he believes 
they think there are things that they're now going to be able to do that maybe have been on the periphery of their thinking because of no cap space, but they have a pretty good playbook on where they're going to spend that money. What do you foresee here? Well, next week and a half. Yeah, I mean, you look at the 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 sort of tightrope they were trying to walk at the deadline, right? Like the 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 talks with Pittsburgh, trying to pull some picks in from there. I mean, I think the Pittsburgh story, of course, was the fact that ownership pulled back on Ron Hextall. Um, But but you know, you can see the 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 sort of framework, the idea of Lafreniere, which I think you know I had sort of at least winked at at some point but yeah i think that's something that they certainly are interested in that's the kind of player as i think i know i said before that's the kind of player that they have long been interested in um you know but i think if you're bringing in a lafreniere i suspect that means you're moving on i mean are you bringing him to be your third center is he the third center or are you moving on from not a center I, I mean you know like no. what is he you know that's that's what i mean like but i but i what i'm saying is is that like if you're bringing a guy in like that, you know what? What are you do? What else are you doing? I, I think they were trying to make a big swing, and they were taking some. They were they were hoping to take some big swings at the deadline, um, but of course they had to manage their way through this cap situation. Well, now they have a little more leeway, and I th- there's, I don't think there's any reason to think that they won't still be trying to take some big cuts here, um, just based on what they were. I think what I heard they were trying to do at the deadline. Like I said, you know they were trying to make something big happen with Pittsburgh. Um, and they were trying to turn around and turn it into something else, which I think was probably Lafreniere. Mm-hmm. Uh, lastly, and you guys did a nice job of uh, reporting on this and chronicling this in the province, uh, BC Place turns 40. Yeah. Were you at the game yeah. Saturday? Were, no, you... I wasn't. It oh, was, so we you were to... the one who was missing. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was the one. Um, yeah. Can we man, just hold on Jay Pat. On Brink, well, I don't know if we brought it up on Wink Friday, it might have been before, but it, like J Pat, noted non fan of music, was all over the LL Cool J. That's how relevant. Exactly. That's how relevant the lines made themselves. Did you see his tweet? Mama said, yes. shut you out. No, I know. And mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't Pretty know if sharp. people quite, it was, I was just like, holy smoke. Anyway, no, 22 first nothing. Of all, yeah, first of all, Lions, you know, well done. They've taken this, they're seizing the moment. They're, they're they're getting some buzz to themselves. They see a gap that they can exploit. Good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, BC Place, 40 years. It's, uh, I had a lot of fun. I wrote a little story about that. Uh, talked to Mike Harcourt, who of course was the mayor as as the building was being built and was on city council as, as sort of Expo was being bid on. And so that was kind of a fun uh, journey through city politics of the of the era, um, and then just talking about this baseball. I mean, it's it's just a window in a completely different era of MLB. You know, the the you know meeting with Bowie Coon, who's like, well, I've got to deal with this drug problem. But of course, the drug problem is. I mean, I, steroids were kind of there, but really, he's talking about cocaine, mm-hmm. and and I've got to get this you know under wraps and. But it's just a completely different era of sports. You know, oh, let's go to Vancouver. And Jimmy Patterson was going to, you know, and Molson were like, let's get a team. And 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 that was a big part. That is a big part of the BC Play story. Obviously, baseball kind of withered away. And Mariners maybe had some interest here for a little while. But in the end, it's been a football stadium. I mean, that was the funny thing. And, and, and Chappie kind of gave me and you a bit of a hard time. He's like, how did we end up doing all this baseball stuff? It's a football stadium. <laughs> but, but, but you know, it's, it's a fascinating bit to the story. And, and 
Um, it's, it, you know, obviously it's, it's not a perfect facility. There's, there's lots of things I, you know, you can talk about the costs of the renovation and all the decisions made around that, but you know, things, I, I suppose the way it put it, this is not exactly a big sell, but things could be worse. You know, mm-hmm. there are, there are massively worse stadiums. I mean, it's not a Olympic stadium. Let's, let's say that for instance, you know, um, and it, it's certainly better than it's, it's. I mean, you can talk about Rogers Centre in Toronto and, you know, what it feels like. And it is obviously a concrete monster and how steamy it feels in the summer. Um, and the fact it's just a baseball stadium. But, you know, BC Place has served the city well uh, for what it is. Um, and I think it's going to be there. I wish they hadn't time. just renovated it because that means that they're going to hold on to it for that much longer. Though. Yeah. Um, well, that's it. I mean, that's the what I was going to say. Yeah. Is that it's, I don't think it's going anywhere. No. Certainly, you know. The, no, it's the, not. And no, it's it, and it's the best stadium in Canada. Let's let's best get, big event stadium. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. No. Yeah. It's the best stadium in Canada. Period. Full stop. It's got the most amenities. It's centrally located. It's got the most seats. It's got the best history. Better than Regina and Winnipeg. Yeah. <laughs> Not the city. The stadium. Regina. Really? Are we talking about arenas? Are we are we wiping out hockey? You, you want to put Mosaic Stadium on a level with BC Place right now? I don't know. I've Winnipeg? never been. Oh. Uh, have you been? No, I've been to the Winnipeg one, yeah. Yeah, I've no. heard middling reports on that one. Not, not BC Place. Because why? Well, first of all, it's way out at the University of Manitoba. Uh, that's not what we're weighing. We're weighing so the building. So it's not particularly we're accessible. We're, not, we're weighing the building. Oh, you... Blake, there were a lot of troubles with the construction of that building. Uh, the Winnipeg one, yes, I heard that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, spe- speaking of constru- uh, concrete monstrosities. And, and, and Blake, there is no world where the best stadium in the country would be located in Winnipeg or Regina, okay? We're sitting here talking oh about God. the World Expo, the fair. There are only two cities. You're not stadiums there are only two cities. cities in this country that the world wants to come to: Vancouver and Montreal. They're the two cities that have had the World's Fair. Yeah. They're the two cities that have had the Olympics accordingly. Okay. Now we're on to cities. Um, <laughs> did you? Uh, did you? Uh, Nobody see- wants to go to Toronto either. Why are they really ugly city at ground level? Why are they can't, get, keep- can't get downtown from the airport on and on and on. Uh, well, why actually. You can there is a better train now to Pearson, but no, nevertheless, okay. why are they Sorry, upkeep? Blake. Why are they upkeeping the PE? Did you see the PE is getting new lights? Like the Coliseum has got like new LED lights just installed around it so well, that they can but, control. Like why are they fixing up the the Coliseum do, right now, sir? Do you not understand the real business at the Coliseum? It's it movies. Would, what this? They make tons of money off movies at the Coliseum. Oh, just for uh, as as a as a yeah. uh, as a venue. Yes. Yes. It's an incredible facility. Like it's, they've done a really good job of, of revitalizing that place. Um, and, and the, the, as bizarre as that sounds, and obviously doesn't have a sports tenant, um, but it, they it, sold it, the, the scoreboard. So they have no intention of being nope. a, a sports tenant, but they, nope. but they can't even shoot like a, a, a basketball movie or a hockey movie in there anywhere. Cause there's no scoreboard. Yeah. CGI, CGI <laughs> buddy. CJ. Yeah, no, they All it's right. that no, seriously, they literally will do like stuff on the concourse. Like they just open the door. Like it's the, the apparently the 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 it it's it's sort of ease of use as a movie facility yeah. and TV facility is and so they make the city makes you only too. need like yeah, and you only need to employ the security guards. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Here's no, the big it's, question, it's, it's Johnson. Um <laughs> since you brought it up, the early eighties and the cocaine scandal in baseball. 
And I suppose we could have asked our friend Tim Raines about this because he has been very open about uh, <laughs> his use. Of- Good segue. All the base stealers used to slide head oh, first. The, t- the Tim Raines thing, sliding head first, who would so break the vial of coke not to break pocket. the vial in the back pocket. Why didn't they yeah. just leave it in their locker? Yeah, I, that's the part I've never understood. I guess pe- people would rifle through the lockers and, and I, I guess they weren't as secure back in the day. And, of mm-hmm. course, then it wouldn't be accessible Ugh. in the dug. A little pick-me-out. A little mm-hmm. pick-me-out for the seventh. Yeah. Take me out to the ball game. <laughs> what a finish. We'll see you at BC Place and at the Nat, Peach. Thanks <laughs> Take for care, this. guys. The base lines. Mm. Some price from Wall Center. Hashtags the best and worst of Twitter brought to you by Jason Hominick. Jason Dodd Mortgage. You know, the market's gone crazy again here. Interest rates went up recently, higher than before. If you're thinking about buying a home, find out where you stand now. Get yourself pre approved. Don't play catch up. Find out more from Jason at Jason Dodd Mortgage. Mr. Price. At SI Now, Inter Miami has a target date set for Lionel Messi's debut. I saw that. July 21st, they begin League's Cup action against Cruz Azul, and it's a home date, and they want them there. They're already working on adding three to 3,200 seats to where, the stadium. Where do they play? They've got their own stadium. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it's... Uh, it's soccer-specific, too. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, it's in Lauderdale. Yeah. I had no idea. Got, like, pink seats, too, I believe. Oh, wow. Yeah. Have the Caps ever played down there? Nope. No. They've never played in Miami. No. And did I see this correctly? It's going to be more than just Messi? Like, we're... Well, Busquets, so it sounds like he's going to get a DP slot, mm-hmm. which people are upset about because they just don't think he's good enough at this stage of his career to, oh, really? to be a DP. Oh. Um, and they think that that might block somebody else from coming in. So mm-hmm. we'll see. But yeah, there, there will be more. There they're, will be more. They're moving into a new stadium in 2025. Are they? Okay. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh. So they got a soccer-specific stadium? Well, they must be moved? playing in a college stadium or something like that. Oh, wow. Miami Freedom Park, $1 billion. $1 billion. Right now they're playing a DRV Pink Stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Soccer-specific stadium in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Built on the set of... It's an 18,000-seat 18, stadium. And they're getting a new stadium? Wow. Yep. 25,058 uh, right. acres of public parks and green space, a hotel, a tech hub, dining, retail, community soccer fields, and Gosh. more. The one they play in now was born or it was uh, opened in 2020. Mm. What? Living that DP life. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Can they move that one up to right, exactly. Vancouver, please? Pick it up and drop it on the waterfront here. My goodness. Hockey Hall of Fame class announced tomorrow at Adjusted Hockey with the Hall of Fame class set to drop. Here's a reminder of NHL player Hockey Hall of Fame approval percentage conducted via online polling last week. A nominated player or builder needs 75% from the committee. Who will be in the 2023 class? This survey spits out Henrik Lundqvist, Alex McGilney, and Henrik Zetterberg. We know it's going to be more extensive than that, though. And Greg Wyshynski, with his Hall of Fame ballot, he says, I think I'm a bit higher on Gonshar than voters might be and a bit lower on Patrick uh, uh, Elish. If the Hockey Hall of Fame was ever going to put Kachuk in, now would be the time. Yes, 
It is not a particularly strong class of first-year eligibles. And so the Canucks assistant coach, Sergei Gonchar, I think is a pretty good bet here. Like if Zuboff is in, you know, Gonchar was sort of the other defenseman of that era that could run the hell out of a power play. Uh, Wyshynski also thinks Rod Brindamore, Curtis Joseph, and Keith Kachuk are getting in. That'd be uh, quite a feather in the cap for the pride of Campbell River, Rod Brindamore. Yeah. Curtis Joseph, many in Edmonton and Toronto over the years have felt he's been a snub because of how well he played for them in goal. I mean, the, all those guys don't meet my criteria. Or not all those guys. A lot of those guys don't make my criteria. They're very, very good players, but mm-hmm. we know that's what the Hall of Fame is in hockey. That's it. So. It's the Hall of the Very Good. It's not necessarily the Hall of the Great. Carolyn Willette, Megan Duggan, Jennifer Bodrill, he suspects Wyshynski, will be part of the class, and we think it's going to be more than just one female player this year. I heard an interesting theory about Gary Roberts going in as a builder for all the work he's done oh. with NHL players in the offseason wow. conditioning. Really? Well, yeah. uh, it's an interesting way yeah. to get a, Maybe not again, quite a very yet. good player, but certainly yeah. not a Hall of Fame, at least in my eye. No. Might need uh, another decade or two of Yeah, I don't know that I quite buy that he's made that many players in and yeah. of himself. And I actually hear less about guys training with Roberts now than I used to. Totally. I mean, it, it's like, been a while since I've heard 10, the 15 years ago, like virtually yeah. every NHL player from Toronto yeah. seemed like and then the bio, they were working out with Gary. The BioSteel wave came in with McDavid and a lot of the Toronto Does, the, does the guy in Venice Beach working with Chelios, does he get to go into the Hockey Hall of Fame too? No? See? So, uh, I, I don't think we need to do this. He's already in the Mr. Olympia Hall of Fame. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which, incidentally, it's a pretty good documentary. If you haven't seen uh, the Netflix series on Arnold Schwarzenegger, and look, there's a lot of ego there. A lot of it comes out. Arnold has a particularly uh, linear view on life that you visualize your goals and then you go out and get them and nothing needs to stop you. I mean, (laughs) yeah. I mean, you you can see some of the Republican politician in him there. He doesn't necessarily get too in-depth about the child he fathered with the housekeeper, although he does talk a little bit about that. But he does talk a lot about, I mean, the whole first episode is on his career as a bodybuilder, which is pretty interesting stuff. And particularly the way he used that platform, which let's face it, has not exactly been a springboard before or since Arnold Schwarzenegger to become the biggest movie star in the world. Yeah. I mean, it's it, that sort of shifted to WWE, right? Like, there was a time where him and Stallone had such a rivalry, they could not even be in the same room. Yeah. Like, if somebody walked into a Hollywood party and saw the other guy there, they would spin on their heels and leave. Yeah. I mean, they, they, it was the action movie franchise battle, right? And, and, and Arnold sort of looked down his nose on Stallone because he was like, he ain't that big. Yeah, it was small, tiny. Yes. Schwarzenegger's all about size. <laughs> At hockey underscore Robinson, Cole Lynn's 30 points in 25 playoff games are the 10th most ever by an AHL skater. That league is nearly Gosh. 100 years old. I think it's the most points in an AHL playoff since mm-hmm. 2015, or in 15 years, pardon me. Um I mean, I still don't know that the Canucks need to kick themselves about this. Uh, I'll believe Cole Lind is a is a no. pro, is a productive no. NHL player when I see it. But good on him. I mean, he's certainly making 
you know, the parent club Seattle yeah. think about it. You know, like yeah, I think he's going to get a good looking training camp. Lovely guy. We interviewed him yep. a bunch of times. Interesting guy too, um, because he's not a singular hockey player. He's got interests outside of hockey, and we've talked to him about that. In the Why past. isn't anybody taking Cole Lind? Do you remember who went after Cole Lind? Quiz in the draft. You mean? Yeah. Uh, no, Nicholas Hag. Oh, mm. yeah. Yes, we could play that game. Who's a day. pretty good player? Yes, oh, we yeah. could. Uh, Thirty NHL games for Cole Lind, two goals, eight points. But you're right. None, no NHL game since 21-22. So he played the entirety of this year at Coachella Valley. Blake, he was 30 goals this year yeah. in the regular season. Well, as I said, they're going to take a good look at him, I think. Yeah. How old is he, 24? Uh, yeah, be 25 in October. Okay. Yeah. Pretty impressive uh, first year for them, though. Yeah. Getting all the way. Yeah, and it's still not over, by the way. No. Yeah. The NHL is still not not headed on a championship. It's June 20th. Like, shouldn't they be done two weeks before the NHL? really should. Like, come on. Brogan Rafferty's on that team, too. Well, I was going to say, Grady, is that team not chock-a-block with older players because they had to fill out the roster? They don't have as many. Like, their leading scorer was 30. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, John yeah. Hayden too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a few prospects there. Riker Evans is definitely a prospect, a 20 year old defenseman, a very nice year. But um, yeah, that's an older team. At Big Head Hockey, we've heard about the Canucks' interest in Alexei Lafreniere, the first overall pick who has failed to launch somewhat with the New York Rangers. Once upon a time, represented by Emily Castingay, now Canucks AGM. First overall picks in the last 30 years that had fewer points than Alexei Lafreniere after three seasons. It was the goalies, of course. In the last how many years? 30. Patrick. So there's the two goalies, yeah. Marc-Andre Fleury, Rick DiPietro. Patrick Stefan? I was going to say, there's four skaters. Can you name them? Patrick Stefan is one. Um, first overall. First uh, overall picks. No, Yakupov. Correct. Alexander Dagg? Nope. That oh. doesn't that doesn't get to thirty. That's not thirty years. Oh, no. yeah. um, he's an O's. And there's got to be defensemen. Two defensemen. Um, and now I'm blanking on Eric Johnson. Nope. I'll say Rasmus Dahlin. Nope. No. One of them played here. Capranson? No, he wasn't first overall. Um. Oh, Jovo Cop. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Huh. And there was another defenseman okay. too. Give it to me. One team. One. Uh, one team. His entire career. If his number isn't retired, he's certainly honored there. Oh, Ottawa. Right. Uh, Phillips. Chris Phillips. Very good. Hmm. That's a like. If I had known that, talking about trade discussions and uh, around Lafreniere to date, I would be even a little more hesitant. Well, more That's hesitant. That's not or, a good list to be on. No, it's not. Um, more hesitant or just more judicious in what you offer. Like I still, th- I still judicious. Yeah, buy low option there. Like I, sure. I don't know that I still would stay away from the kid, but I certainly am mm-hmm. more hesitant upon hearing that to give up anything of significance. Pretty decent roster too in New York, although they it's the tough to get ice. Not particularly great setup centerman. Yeah, but you're right. But tough to get ice too. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're pretty decent, and they had other guys to to consider and Kako and Heedle and stuff like that. Like they, 
The uh, well, Panarin, of course, was going to get all the shine in terms of you know a winger playing in the top spots. No, I just mean in terms of younger guys that they need to sort of give some looks to. Like he had some competition, right? yes. So Kako included. Yeah. I um, wonder now hmm. if with Kane and Tarasenko, if they're moving on, he gets elevated a bit, and this is okay. This is the year you have to be. Yep. Take that next oh, year. Oh, I think so. This would be yeah. make it or break it year. Uh, finally, for me at Province Sports. The BCHL has said that all players signed to play with the Wenatchee Wild in their league this year are free agents. So we had this on Friday for you. What we uh, didn't clarify, or I, I didn't know at the time, is that the guy that bought the Winnipeg Ice was the win- the owner of the Wenatchee Wild, and, and so he just dissolved the Wenatchee Wild, but they had players committed to them, obviously. So right. those players just get put right back in to the fold. Now, one little birdie suggested to me... Do they go to Seattle, the BCHL? Whoa. Play out of the practice rink of the Seattle Kraken? So in our experience with the BCHL, and we did have a long association with the BCHL, it it seems that if there is an issue at the league level, it's that some owners don't draw very well to their facility and like to pin that on the league and the commissioner. If... You're okay with operating a BCHL team that isn't exactly going to do great numbers at the gate? Then sure, I'm sure it's a beautiful facility. But aligning yourself but alongside the Kraken isn't a bad idea. Like, you, well, except it's got to—it's got to mean commercials for you, Blake. Like, you got to get people into right. the rink. But the Kraken attract people to their practice facility for Kraken practices. Right. If they see additional signage okay. there for the Seattle blah blah blahs. Sure. That sounds like, and you're tapping into the hockey fan there. I don't know if that's a bad mm-hmm. idea. How, how did the T-Birds do down the stretch when they were making their... I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know, but they're, they're t- apparently they play now at a rink that's not as easy to get to. Yeah. In, uh, is it Kent? Yeah, Kent, I believe. Um, Everett used to do well. I don't know what they do now. Everett, it's almost like a self-contained, this is our team, you know, wave the yeah. community and flag. Yeah, it's a great arena. It's a fabulous arena. Yeah. Lastly, for me at Sports Rage, Gabriel Morenzi, podcaster, was in Montreal for the big race this weekend. Did you see this? Max Verstappen somehow won the Canadian Grand Prix. Somehow, yeah. With a dead bird stuck oh. in his brake duct. Oh, really? Early in the Grand Prix, he came around a corner, rode up on a curb where there was just a bird perched. I mean, at some point, these cars are going 300 kilometers an hour. Yeah, you're not swerving. Bird didn't get out of the way, ran over the bird, then got stuck in the brake duct. He got on the radio and said to the team, I think I've hit a bird. And the team said, well, we're seeing everything's okay on the telemetry. Keep yeah, on. Yeah. Thing just lodged in the brake duct and stayed there. What is the the brake duct? Yeah, I don't know what that is. Well, like there's a compartment there uh, by the I believe it was the back right wheel, dispersing heat from the brakes maybe or something. Uh, yeah. I would bet it was pretty host toasty that bird. Well, that's a, well, it was a that's barbecued. Sort of, uh, that's why my, my thought is that did, was there any semblance of the bird left by the uh, end of the race? I think there would have been some slurry. Well, no, I don't think there'd be much moisture left. There might be some. Well. 
I believe slurry covers both the dry and the moist it? parts. Oh, okay, right. come through. It's a te- technical term uh, in aviation yes, when they hit yes. a bird. It goes through the engine. It becomes slurry, and that's hashtags for today. Joined now by our draft insider from Elite Prospects, their director of film scouting, the one and only Mr. Cam Robinson. How are we doing, Cam? I'm doing well, fellas. How are you guys doing? Very well. You're off to the draft next week in Nashville. You'll be uh, reporting and covering for us. And, of course, we're uh, looking at a prospects that the Vancouver Canucks could take at number 11 and guys who could be available at number 11. And I did a lot of draft reading this past weekend, Cam, and I started seeing the name Oliver Moore, the U.S. National Team Development Program centerman, falling down in some mocks, and that could mean nothing, or it could mean that he might be the unfortunate guy who who falls in this draft. I've also read he might be the best skater in the draft. So you tell me, give me the capsule, where you've got him rated, where Elite has him rated, and what you think the chances are that he could slide to Vancouver at number 11. Yeah, I've... Uh... I've gone the roller coaster with Oliver Moore this season. Um, I really liked him early on in the year. Um, you, you nailed it on the head there. He is the best straightaway skater, probably the most dynamic skater in the entire class. Like he has great wheels. Um, he reminds me of Dylan Larkin as a draft eligible, arguably, you know, maybe even further along that path, but the competition's really elevated at, at the USHL level since Larkin was there. So there's a lot of mistakes when he was young. Um, but, you know, the the brain doesn't always keep up with the feet and the hands yet. Um, so I think that he's really going to need to kind of work on that awareness. He, he misses some options. He misses some plays. He can skate himself into trouble. But, you know, he wasn't afforded the the level of line mates that, you know, Will Smith got at the top of the lineup there. He had Gabe Pro and Ryan Leonard to work with. And for much of the season... Moore didn't have like actually even like quality draft eligibles. Um, he got to play, you know, with a couple of young kids who came up, some dynamic guys in Haggins um, and Iserman who who are really talented guys, but they didn't stick together too often. So the the counting stats are impacted because he was playing second fiddle to that top line. Um, I like him. You know, if Vancouver went with him at 11, um, I think it would be an upside swing on a really speed driven pivot. And I think you could definitely justify it. I've got him at 16 personally, uh, hedging on that IQ a little bit. At EP, we have him in the top 10. Um, So, you know, he's, I think we have him at number seven. Yes, we have him at seven at EP. Um, So, you know, I've had a couple of my colleagues there really, really like him a lot. Think that he's like a locked in top 10 guy. Um, You know, I've talked to some teams that they think that he's probably the fourth best player on on that team prospect and and should be kind of in that mid-teens, early 20s zone. So there's a lot of discrepancy on him. And I think it comes down to whether or not you think his brain is going to really catch up with his feet. I think worst case scenario, though, couldn't you make the argument because of his defensive awareness that if he fails to launch as a top six guy, could he be a third line center going forward? Yeah. For sure, he could he could be one of these guys that could be a real weapon on the PK for sure mm-hmm. um, because he, he has effort he has a good motor like that that's not a problem um, so yes yeah. uh, and and to be to be a good defensive player you got to have wheels you got to have a motor and you know you want to be smart too to, to make those reads and, and he is pretty good defensively too so so absolutely you know the the bottom doesn't fall out if the ceiling isn't met. I think we're mostly crazy to bring this guy up. Mostly crazy. But again, crazy things happen on the draft floor and somebody sinks and we just talked about one guy sinking. Dalibor Dvorsky, is, it, is there any chance uh, at 11 there? 
you know, nothing's nothing's out of the question on draft day, right? We we do see some crazy things happen, and we talked about last week is that some teams are probably going to not be able to help themselves, and they'll reach on some defenders, which means a forward or two is going to drop. And, you know, right. I don't think it's going to be Dalbor Dvorsky because, you know, teams have liked him all season long. He's this really big north-south. He, he's got good speed, too. Down the middle, he's got a pro body. You know, he scores like 90% of his goals come from the slot or the paint. Like he knows how to get into hard areas of the ice. Um, so he's he's one of these ones that teams are going to be like, that is definitely a centerman. And that's someone that has a very legitimate top nine upside, maybe even a second line upside um, on the full time. So I, I don't think he'll be there. Um, I have him ranked uh, number 12. You know, we put him at 10 at EP. So, you know, right in the middle of where Vancouver is. I just expect he's probably yeah. going to go in the top seven or eight. Yeah, again, this is where we have to remind our listeners between the difference between mocking and ranking because uh, you know people like yourselves are doing rankings, not necessarily mocking, and those are two different exercises, right? So exactly. um, 10 and 12 on the rankings at the very least. Let's uh, round out the centers here. Uh, Braden Yager, the Western Hockey League guy, and, and Cam, we talked a little bit last week about guys who played on not very good CHL teams and whose stats might have taken a hit and thus their draft stock may have taken a hit. When you go back a year, you're looking at Jaeger as like a potential top five, top ten pick, and I just don't see him there much anymore. What can you tell us about uh, this another centerman here? Yeah, CHL Rookie of the Year coming out of last year is his draft minus one. You know, had the great uh, international resume too. It looked like he was going to be a top five pick. Um now, his his role and his situation changed this past season. He moved into the middle full-time. You know, he, he made a, a concerted effort to develop his playmaking game and his defensive game because we saw as a rookie, you know, the kid can shoot the lights out. Like, he's got a tremendous release, especially off the rush. He's got good speed. He's got pro size. Um, but he really, he really focused on adding playmaking, which you need to have if you want to be a center in the NHL. There's not too many shoot-first centers that really thrive. Um, and that defensive awareness. And I think he succeeded in both. Um, the numbers dipped a little bit on the goal-scoring side, but overall, his, his totals went up. Um, you know, I think that people are sleeping on him a little bit. I've got him at 15. EP, we rated him 22. Um, but again, down the middle, pro size, speed driven, you know, kills penalties in, in the dub. Um, I think he might be a steal in the middle of the first round. Another player that I wouldn't be too upset about if that's who Vancouver landed on 11. I think that that's a viable option there. And you're going to hear me say that a lot probably over the next few weeks because yeah. there's a lot of pretty good options at that zone. There's going to be some good options for them. Absolutely. Uh, Andrew Crystal's a local kid here with the Kelowna Ro- Ro- Lower Mainlander, is playing his major junior with the Kelowna Rockets. He is a winger, uh, but you tell me where you got him ranked and uh, what do you think of I've, him at 11? I've got him 31. Um, EP, we've got him 18. Um, so I'm lower. I, I did I did the film room on him early on in the year, and you know the counting stats were just blowing off the page, right? Like he was not quite Connor Bedard level, but he was almost keeping pace there through the first 30 or 40 games. Um, and he does it through terrific hands, terrific playmaking ability, and and things were just falling right for him. He had an injury mid-season there. He came back. The production was still good, but his impact wasn't nearly as strong. He he can definitely be guilty of, of shying away from contact, being held to the outside. One of these soft skill players, I would say. And then he bookended his season with a really underwhelming performance of the U18s, like really underwhelming. Um, and I think that that is, it's hurt his stock considerably. Um, for me, you know, it's, it's kind of just been a trend for most of the season that I'm like, I don't know what kind of pro this guy's going to be. Like he needs to actually break right and be a, a legitimate, like top six guy, top power play guy who's fed all the offensive minutes 
and is given that grace from his coaching staff to be like, yeah, don't play too much defense. Don't worry about getting into the middle of the ice and getting run over. Um, and I don't know too many teams that play systems like that. So, you know, he could very well be a really high impact player. I just think it's a really low percentage. And I think there's an equally good chance that he's not even in, in the NHL. So I think, you know, I, I've got him right at the tail end of my first round because you have to give respect to the hands and the playmaking and the, and the offensive IQ. But there's a lot of risk there, I would say. Speaking of the end of the first round, another local guy is projected to be probably there, but you never know. You fall in love with the player. If some of the other defensemen are gone, do the Canucks take a look in any way, shape, or form at Lucas Dragosevich, do you think? Or is he a hopeful faller to the second round pick? Oh, yeah. You don't even look slot. at this kid. Yeah. yeah, you don't look at him in the first round at all. Not not near yeah. their spot, anyways. Like if you're picking at 29 or something like that, sure, go ahead and you can take a, take a look at him. Um, you know, I've let's pull it up here. I've got him 39. Oh, I've got him 46. Sorry, sorry, and we've got mm-hmm. him uh, 39 at EP. Um, and that's again, that's just giving a lot of credence. He's the best offensive defenseman in this class. Like I I strongly feel that way. He has high end puck really? skills. Wow. Absolutely. You know, he can manipulate that first four checker, uh, make a pass, jump into the play, get it back, look to create, look to shoot. Um, He has all the instincts. He has good size. But the feet, they are not there. And, and you know, some people kind of slag on him. They're like, oh, he doesn't really try defensively. Are you talking speed actually, or edge work there? Which, which I'm talking, talking both. Like, it's both. sluggish. It yeah, is. And, yeah. and, you know, and it impacts all facets of his game. Right now, at the junior level, he can still get up into the offense and make things happen. I don't know if he can do that at the NHL level with this skating. But defensively... His defensive skating, like he just, he can't match up against speed off of the rush. He can't get into the corners quickly to, to retrieve loose pucks. Um, he tries. Like, I actually believe that he tries and he works hard. He wants to go in there and finish checks. He just can't get there in time. Um, so, you know, having him kind of in the mid-second is, again, is, is giving respect to that offensive game that he has. And that you're like, maybe because he's got a good motor, he's got good effort, he has a good mind, maybe he can fix the skating. Because those are the ingredients that you need. You need focus, discipline, and that repetition over and over and over and breaking down that skill with a good skating coach and maybe he could turn it around but yeah no the only way Vancouver should be looking at him is if if he slips to the third or if they grab themselves another second in some sort of deal yeah too bad too because uh, as you say and a right shot defenseman a local kid from Richmond uh, 6'1 190 and they could use some offensive push from the blue line as one of the worst teams last year in generating offense from the back I'm always amused when the apple or apple Bulls fall far from the tree. Blake, you and I covered Yannick Perot, and I think he might have been at one point the league's preeminent face-off man with a paddle that was so big it looked like a beaver tail. Do you remember Yannick Perot in the face-off dot, and he was a checking centerman? Like Dreisaitl's blade. Yeah, exactly, oh. with this giant stick. His first son, Jacob, is a goal scorer in the Anaheim system, a first rounder. And his second son, Gabe, might be an even better goal scoring winger. Cam with the U.S. National Team Development Program. He seems like he has a lot of helium, Gabe Perot, up the draft boards here recently. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. There was a stretch there. I remember you, you couldn't beat Yannick Pro in the faceoff dot. Like he just owned it, right? No, like he kind of no. set the stage for making that as a as almost like a niche market for players. Manny Maholter kind of filled that in a, a few years later too. Um, mm-hmm. I like Gabe Pro. Um, I all season long I, I kind of equated him to very similar to Andrew Crystal um, with this really great hands, really great playmaking, the vision, the the offensive creation, but the feet weren't great. Um, 
he he just continued to impress me all season long though and and like i mentioned before he was afforded some really talented players to to work with with will smith and ryan letter and that trio just they had tremendous chemistry. Like they knew where they, each other were on the ice. They could, you know, they, they worked these three passing plays, cross ice, cutting in. Um, and a lot of people give credit to, to the, to Smith and to Leonard as kind of the, the guys who stirred the drink. Um, I don't know. Like Perot is really, really talented. He's really, really smart. And he, unlike Crystal, he can get into the inside of the ice. Like he's not afraid to, to take some abuse to get in there. He's not all that dynamic side to side, east to west, but he has fine straightaway speed. Like he can beat a guy to a loose puck on a break. Um, and and so early on in the year, I was talking about how he's, you know, the feet aren't there at an elite level. And then I show a clip of him, you know, beating a defender and going in on the break and like, what's wrong with his skating? And it's like, he can go straight ahead, full tilt, but it's that darting edge work that you need to have when you're a little bit smaller. But I love the brain and I love a player who's got a good mind on him. I've got him number 10. So right there where Vancouver is going to be picking, um, you know, at EP, we rated him 20. Um, so another one, you're absolutely right, Matt. He had that terrific U18s. He had a really, really strong back half of the season. He produced against NCAA competition when they're, the program was playing up against Div 1 guys. I like him. I, I think it's a good bet on one of these players who doesn't have a lot of speed, a lot of dynamic speed and not super big. But I take that bet on him just purely on the mind. Uh, perfect. Um, thank you, sir. And next week... Mr. Sass has us doing a mock draft exercise. So the three of us will each pick for the Vancouver Canucks at number 11. And And Cam will walk us through from 1 to 11 as well, just to to let us know why he got to his 11. Well, I mean, I I think we can mock the first three right now. I think it's between 4 and 10 that is uh, where the intrigue lies. I mean, if you... You're, if you're telling know. me you don't think it's going to go Bedard, Fantilli, Carlson, then okay. I leave some All right. questions there. Stay Cam. tuned next week. Yep. There's the tease. <laughs> Thanks, Cam Robinson. Better get your draft rankings in order there, Mr. Sakaris. Oh, that's yeah. right. My big board. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Cam. I love it. All right. Thanks for having me on, fellas. Some price from Wall Center. You can text us 778-402-9680 to the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Results from Friday's S versus P and the question. Uh, should the Canucks walk away from Ethan Bear? Ethan Bear. I voted. I argued no. You argued yes. Mm-hmm. I have uh, yet to get a win this year on S versus P. It was a pre-OEL as well. Yes, which changes so it took the, on a different context. Yeah, yeah. you it, won the Twitter vote. You got eighty fifty eight percent of four hundred and seventy six votes that they should walk away. Grady, I won the YouTube vote. Yeah, sixty one to twenty eight, and all the comments were in favor. Sixty one twenty eight. You mean sixty one thirty up votes? Nope, sixty one up votes. Oh, 28. just raw votes. Yeah, oh, okay. It's not I a percentage. percentage. Oh, yeah, okay. it's not a percentage on YouTube. All right. So, so we're calling this one a draw. I guess so. Are we? Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Okay. So I finally, I've got a result. Your losing streak is over. Exactly. I have a winless streak, but not a losing streak. Yeah, but when are you going to be like Through the Whitecaps and just say, you know what? It's time we start to win. Well, it won't be this Friday because Jeff's sitting in for me, which brings us to errors and omissions. Mm. I told Jeff we'll talk to him Wednesday. No, we'll talk to him Monday. Yeah. We may talk to him tomorrow if big news happens. Canadian players missing from the Gold Cup. I don't know if this is the exhaustive li- exhaustive list, but Tejon Buchanan, Jonathan David, Alfonso Davies, Kyle Lair, and Ishmael Kone 
which is really kind of a who's who of Canadian soccer. Yeah. Uh, it's Diamond Baseball Holdings, not Diamond Sports Holdings. I know Andy Dunn and the guys at Vancouver Canadians are still getting calls. That bankrupt broadcaster has bought the team? No, 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 no. They have similar names. Similar industry, too, in baseball yes. covers. Yes, but Diamond bad. Baseball Holdings is the successful operations operation that manages a number of minor league clubs the and top has bought ones. the Vancouver yeah. Canadians. It is not the bankrupt subsidiary of Sinclair Broadcasting. Uh, that's it from my list. If you guys don't have anything else, we'll move straight to Blake's Bodog. No. Well, no. well, hold on. Oh. I've seen a lot of feedback... In, on YouTube, on Twitter, text message line too, to revisit the OEL bio S and P debate, which was from when? Ooh, I want to say a month. I and think a half it was one ago. of our first ones. Yeah. I think it was either our first or our second S yeah. versus P, uh, which is going back about six to eight weeks. Yeah. Things change. Do we yeah. give Matthew his first official victory oh. retroactively? Uh, well, no. Oh my goodness, it hasn't been voted. People, on. no, but people are people are pressing. Oh, people. Two people. <laughs> no, there's more than two. No. Much like with Watt and yours before, you give them a little bit of authority and look at how much they want to stretch it and play the strong man. I know. He would like to overrule the duly elected choice. Yeah, yeah exactly. Of the people yeah. that week. Love you, Grady. Love the sentiment. Yeah. And please, look for other things that go my way in this segment. Feel free to storm Congress. Feel free. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. But don't go storming the Capitol here on January 6th looking for Mike Pence's scalp. Honest to goodness. Overturning <sighs> elections. And let me just say, if you're looking to go back in S&P history, find things that I've said that have wound up being the case, it's a long list, buddy. <laughs> oh, God. As if. But line of the daytime with Blake Price. Um, I, I'm I'm just going to suggest that the Whitecaps find a way, um, and oh. I uh, I don't think it'll necessarily be their most glorious victory of the season. So I'm going to go with an exact score, really widen the gap here. The Whitecaps over the Rapids one nil. Phase out a plus 900. On your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder: follow us and Rank Wide wherever you get your podcast, and please do support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.